Hello, everyone. Today is the first day of November 2018. This is Minnesota Politics 101. I'm Pat Kessler, the political reporter at WCCO Television. We are the proud CBS television station in Minneapolis. Here in Minnesota, we are marching resolutely toward Election Day. It has been an ugly campaign in Minnesota for almost every office, and I think a lot of people will agree this has been a toxic political year. We're going to take a look at some of the closing arguments from some of the candidates in Minnesota, and we're going to bring you the latest on the president's promise to erase the 14th Amendment with a stroke of a pen. It was always told to me that you needed a constitutional amendment. Guess what? Amendment. You don't. You don't. Remember hearing this, Billy? And for me, the most important story of the week. Can't really play the whole chord because my hand isn't the same hand I had in 1974. Musical redemption for some of the musicians who played on Bob Dylan's Blood on the Tracks LP who never got recognition until now. So we are just a few days from Election Day, and for a lot of people, it cannot come soon enough. A lot of years at this stage of the election cycle, and I have covered a lot of them. People tell me this is the worst they've ever seen. I hear this all the time, right around this time in an election cycle. This one, though... This one might just be that one, might be the one that is the worst that anybody's ever seen. Uh, The television ads here in Minnesota are unrelentingly negative from Republicans and Democrats alike. Usually, a week before the election, the candidates flip off the mean part of them, and they switch on the nice. It's a phenomenon. No matter how negative the candidates have been, and many of them here have been that way for weeks, Suddenly, we see them walking with their families, smiling and walking through a park on a sunny day. One of the candidates here actually says he is a loving father. Well, not everyone has stopped sending out the nasty grams, however. Uh, There is an ad that the Republican governor candidate, it sent him through the roof. We're going to listen to that in just a moment. Jeff Johnson, the Republican, wants to scrap the Affordable Care Act as we know it, and he wants to replace it with a number of private industry reforms. It's been controversial, a lot of ads about it. And this ad is from a well-funded independent expenditure group in Minnesota. It's called the Alliance for a Better Minnesota. It is absolutely a Democratic group, Democratic funders. And they put out an ad that is heartbreaking and tough really hard. It features a young man from Cold Spring, Minnesota, who is severely physically disabled. He's in a motorized wheelchair, has one arm. He says, if Jeff Johnson is elected, people like him would never get the care they need. When I was born, the doctors had only given me six months to live, but I defied the odds and now I'm here. My parents were barely scraping by as it was, so if I didn't have insurance, I don't know what we would do. Jeff Johnson's health care plan would take away insurance from 300,000 Minnesotans, drive up costs, and could allow insurance companies to deny coverage for pre-existing conditions. People with disabilities deserve affordable health care. 
just like everybody else. For Jeff Johnson to treat us this way is profoundly shameful. So this has been Jeff Johnson's Achilles heel, and the same for many Republicans here in Minnesota. They've been running against Obamacare for years now, trying to repeal it. Uh, And running against Obamacare has been a winner for Republicans for years also. But, But now it is beginning to appear like the ACA is a winner. People like it. They don't want to lose it. It's been a winner for Democrats. And the political focus this election year is now more on the care in Obamacare and less on the Obama part of it, which has been very divisive. Anyway, Republicans are trying to thread the needle. The one thing about repealing Obamacare is that people really like certain parts of it, like pre-existing conditions. And Republicans like Jeff Johnson running for governor here in Minnesota are trying hard to convince voters they're going to keep the good parts of Obamacare, like those pre-existing conditions, no lifetime limits, 26-year-olds on parents' plans. They say they're going to keep all of that, and it's going to be cheaper, and it's going to be a lot better. So anyway, this powerful ad comes out that you just heard, and a furious Jeff Johnson called a press conference, emergency press conference, to deny all of it, everything the ad says, promising he will guarantee to cover all people with pre-existing conditions, especially, he says, seniors and disabled people. But listen to how he said it. They want people to believe that Jeff Johnson is such a horrible person, that Jeff Johnson is such a rotten, evil human being, that he'll take health care away from poor, disabled children. Uh, Unfortunately, that is a tactic that we're seeing now from some, if not many, on the left today. Truth is irrelevant. Lying's fine as long as it helps you win an election. And you don't just attack your opponent, you destroy your opponent personally. And using a a disabled young man to spread lies and destroy the character of an opponent, that's about as low as it gets. It's vile. It is morally bankrupt. Frankly, it makes me sick to my stomach. Uh, Frankly, folks, there is a special place in hell for the people who would write an ad like this and think that this is acceptable behavior. So we often don't see that kind of emotion in our Minnesota politics, especially in a Minnesota candidate, especially a Minnesota Norwegian Lutheran. So we're going to see on Election Day, but this may be the biggest issue in Minnesota, especially for Democrats in the last few days. And actually, this may decide the election. So the other biggest election issue in Minnesota, especially for Republicans, is immigration. And I must say it caused quite a bit of a ruckus here when the president revealed in an interview this week with the online news service Axios that he's considering abolishing the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. You know, the one that says if you're born here in the United States, you are a citizen, birthright Citizenship. It was always told to me that you needed a constitutional amendment. Guess what? You don't. You don't. Number one. Number one, you don't need that. Number two, I mean, that's in dispute. You could definitely that's very much in dispute. Well, you can definitely do it with an act of Congress, but now they're saying I can do it just with an executive order. Now, how ridiculous. We're the only country in the world where a person comes in, has a baby, and the baby is essentially a citizen of the United States for 85 years with all of those benefits. 
It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And it has to end. Wait, can he do that? He can do that? Actually, no. According to a lot of legal experts that we talked with, so first, I want to fact check something the president said, that no other country... Now, how ridiculous. We're the only country in the world where a person comes in, has a baby, and the baby is essentially a citizen of the United States for 85 years. In fact, more than 30 countries have the same kind of birthright citizenship rights that we do in the United States of America, including Canada, including Mexico. That's why we went to John Keller. He's the director of the Immigrant Law Center of Minnesota. His office is in a 150-year-old immigrant neighborhood in St. Paul, the capital city. First it had Germans and Swedes and Irish, then African Americans, then Hmong and Vietnamese, and now it's a neighborhood mostly of East Africans, including Somalis. Yeah, the 14th Amendment made it very clear that uh, after we fought the Civil War, after millions of people uh, either lost their lives or, or had family members lose their lives, we needed to resolve the status of African Americans and their descendants here in the United States. Uh, and so the 14th Amendment was passed as part of that post-Civil War era to determine once and for all who is a U.S. citizen and just make it very clear that the United States uh, is not a, a country of feudal births or an area where you know it, uh, your success depends on who you were born to uh, unlike uh, parts of Europe. What was it like uh, in Congress and in the United States in 1868 when this was approved? Yeah you know at that time as I mentioned we were dealing with how do we um, how do we think of millions of slaves and their descendants uh, after the North won the Civil War, and what future will they have? Uh, we also, at that time, Native Americans did not have uh, citizenship or the right to vote. So it was really the beginning of the envisioning of, uh, of what does it mean to possess equality uh, regardless of when you arrived in the United States or who your ancestors were. Uh, a, a, a very idea that some would say the Civil War was fought over. Are slaves human beings? And if they are, uh, what rights do they have in this United States? I, I see above your desk you have a <laughs> photograph of Abraham Lincoln. That is so true. Why? Why? Because uh, for me, President Lincoln was someone who was flawed, who knew his flaws, um, but who struggled with the very weighty questions of this country. Uh, and 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 I think would be the first to note, was an imperfect person, but who saw this country through some of its darkest times and set us on a path um, which, you know, many of us had hoped we weren't going to have to relitigate, particularly issues around, you know, do we have equality for all people in this country? This story has really a special resonance here in Minnesota. Bob Dylan, of course, a homegrown guy, one of us. And despite his extraordinarily private life and often inscrutable art and lyrics and music, to this day, he always comes home to Minnesota. And he was doing it for years, and that's what he did in 1974 when 
He recorded one of his most famous albums, Blood on the Tracks. He wasn't satisfied with some of the tracks he recorded, so he re-recorded about half of the songs in Minneapolis. And that's where the mystery began about some of those Minneapolis musicians called on short notice who never got credit on the final album, Blood on the Tracks, for the songs we all know. Sean Skinner is the producer for our Minnesota Politics 101 podcast, and Sean is actually an accomplished filmmaker. He's working on a Blood on the Tracks documentary right now. Hey, Sean. Hey, Pat. How are you doing? Good. So why did this happen? Why did these musicians not get credit? Well, what had happened was Dylan had already recorded some of the sessions uh, for Blood on the Tracks in New York City. And he wasn't really thrilled with how it was sounding with the crew that he was using in New York. So we talked to his brother who put together um, basically a last minute crew at Sound 80 here in South Minneapolis. And these are all Minnesota musicians. These were all Minnesota guys. And they were um, they were kind of (laughs) a couple of them were kind of woken up out of a deep sleep. One of them was (laughs) fighting a flu. Uh, Uh The other one, you know, had no clue who he was walking into the room with. Kevin Odegaard, Chris Weber, Peter Ostrushko, Greg Inhofer, Bill Berg, Billy Peterson, all these guys. And do they even know that they're going to be recording with Dylan? Only one of them did at the time, and it was Odegaard. He got uh, a couple of the other guys already Mm -hmm. in the room. And then Dylan's brother brought in the rest um, from Sound 80. And uh, kind of the rest is magic after that. I mean, they, they didn't know what they were working on. Um, and Dylan came in and he kind of had, he had some songs written down on like napkins and he had this notebook and this, and everything was like handwritten. And he was just kind of like, all right, follow me on this. And, I love that. Let's try that. And it was, it's, it's what you hear today. It's the magic of Blood on the Tracks. Well, tell me about Tangled Up in Blue. So Tangled Up in Blue, they were playing, I believe, in the Court of G. And they had gone through it, and Kevin Odegaard says, who's the lead guitar on that song, um, he, he, Dylan wasn't liking it. For some, there was something that he just wasn't gravitating to. So Odegaard says, let's, let's try it in the Court of A. So Bob comes out to do it, and we play it. And it's just okay. It's not mm-hmm. great. So I said, uh, you know, I think that would sound better up a, up a note. Uh, I think it would sound great in the key of A. Uh, it'd be more urgent. It'd have, it, right. I think A would be a better key for this thing. I can hear it. I can hear it now. And, mm-hmm. and so then there was another long silence, and Bob crushed out an imaginary cigarette on the floor, and I sweat right through my shirt. I remember that. And he said, he looked up, and he said, okay, let's try it. And they knocked it out in one take. And the one take is the one you hear on the album today. Get out of here. So that, that is the only take, and it, that was the one they used. It's the only take. And they did it once, and they were like, did you guys get it? Did you record it? The guys in the studio said, yep. And they said, we're not doing another one. Let's move on to the next song. And okay, so went the, in there, and they did two songs. And then Dylan was like, all right, let's do another. And then let's do another. <laughs> and by the end, they did five of the songs from Blood on the Tracks. I mean, that's amazing. And the album comes out, and their names aren't on it. 
Right. You know, album jackets were printed up, and that was a big deal. They were printed on cardboard, and it was expensive to make album jackets back in the 70s. And they had the crew from New York still printed on all of these album jackets, and they were so close to press time for the albums that they didn't have time to change the jackets, and they really never did over all of these years. And Kevin Odegaard, the lead guitar, uh, he only played one song. He played Tangled Up in Blue, has been trying for, for quite a few years to kind of get the record set straight, and it finally happened. This year, uh, in the new release from Dylan, the bootleg tapes? Yes. Uh, more blood, more tracks. Um, it's a beautiful like box set. A couple of discs in there, uh, a lot of photos, uh, a, a, a nice, boy, dozen pages of the notebook from all the songs, all the lyrics, all the handwritten notes. Um, it was pretty pretty amazing to see this thing. And these guys, we had uh, Kevin Odegaard and Billy Peterson together this week and showed it to them for the first time, and they got to listen to it. Some of the songs were remastered. They brought... Uh, Kevin claims um, that they took out a lot of the 70s gimmicky parts of it, a lot of the reverb and the echo, and it sounds really, really clean. Can't wait to hear it. Thanks, Sean. No problem, Pat. Thanks for joining us this week. We are Minnesota Politics 101, produced by Sean Skinner. I'm Pat Kessler. See you next time. Early one morning the sun was shining I was laying in bed Wondering if she'd change it all if her hair was still red.